it's because you're a minority. It's because you're a part of the UK that's probably forgotten in a lot of cases. It's because the world has no idea who you are and where you come from. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. Today we're getting better acquainted yep. with Angela. Hi. Hello, Angela. <laughs> Hello. When did I last see you? When did we last see each other? Oh my God. Um, A levels, I guess. I think so. When we left A levels. How yeah. many years ago was that? Eleven years ago. I think it was eleven. Oh my God. Yeah. Ten or eleven. Really old. Yeah. Yeah. It must be eleven. <laughs> eleven years. Yeah. Eleven years ago. Wow. Wow. So we've only we've only seen each other on Facebook since then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when did you first meet me? In school. When would that have been? You didn't join until. Year nine or something like that. Year eight. I year think, eight. Yeah. Okay. So near the end of year eight as well. Year I year think eight. quite confusingly. Yeah. So I guess were we in the same form. I think so. I can't actually. No, I, mean, I can't remember I can't re- either. It's very hard to remember school people. Yeah, like that it is. Because everything's such a blur in school. Yeah. In some ways. So A level stand in my memory is really like when I really got to got know to know properly. each other in yeah. A levels. That's right. We, um, we worked together in drama as well. Yeah. Didn't we? Yeah. Um, and that was quite a close drama group as yeah, well. Yeah, so we would have done GCSE drama together as well, I imagine. I think, I guess so, yeah, we must have done. God, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't it's remember too many years that. ago. Wow. What do you do now? What do I do now? I am a PhD student at the University of Southampton. It's a bit complicated to explain what I do, really. I am in a doctoral training centre for complex system simulation. Right. <laughs> Which sounds really complicated. It's not actually that bad. There's like 20 of us in my year and it's people from all different disciplines. So I'm in biology, but there's physicists and mathematicians and engineers and chemists. And we all got together for a first taught year where we learn a little bit about what a complex system is and a bit about computer modelling and mathematical modelling, that kind of thing. And now now we've all split up into our various departments to do our three-year PhD. So I'm in the School of Biological Sciences and my project is basically computer modelling the effect of habitat fragmentation on mammals. Right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what does that mean to the lay lay person? Okay, so basically I create computer simulations. It's called agent-based simulation. So I create little agents which represent my mammal of choice and for my research that's jaguars. Right. So I create a lot of little agents that are jaguars and I give them some rules on how they they move around and how they interact with each other. And I create a landscape for them to live in. And then I say start and I run the simulation. I let them move around on their own. And they've got these rules that dictate how they move and how much they move and that kind of thing. And then they just interact with each other and then things happen. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's, what's the purpose of, of doing that? So mine is specifically related to an area in Belize in Central America. There's quite a lot of the area in Belize is protected, but there's a little bit that kind of links up two protected areas. That There's a major road that goes through and it's subject to further development of farming and stuff like that. But if it... If the habitat fragmentation gets too much and there's not enough forest habitat for the jaguars, um, it creates a barrier for them moving from one protected area to the other. And it's a major route of flow for individuals that are further north in the Americas to further south. And we need to maintain gene flow in the population to maintain a viable population so they can carry on living. So I'm trying to build a case really to stop further development in this little corridor area. So I can change the landscape of my model under different scenarios. So say you know, 10% of the area gets developed, how will that affect the way the jaguars move through the area or, you know, logging increases or hunting pressure increases or something like that. Your simulations are sort of used as evidence to try and protect the jaguar population. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's a case study for jaguars now, but essentially the same thoughts and theories could be applied to anything, anywhere. It's just I'm looking at jaguars for now. Why jaguars? I didn't really go in with the express thing I wanted to do jaguars. My supervisor has past PhD students who are out in Belize at the moment doing a lot of work with jaguars and pumas. And because he's linked in with them, I just came along and said, I want to do this kind of stuff. And he said, oh, okay, I've got a great example there for you to do. So I kind of fell into it, really. Didn't really choose it, but jaguars are cool, so... Yeah, have you been to Belize? <laughs> yeah, I went out for six weeks earlier in the year. Amazing, amazing, amazing place. I did four weeks of field work and then had a two-week holiday on the end. They're doing a project over there at the moment try and gain a picture of what animals are using the area and how they're using it and where they go. So they're doing a lot of mammal trapping uh, for small and medium-sized mammals. And there's some people over there who are trapping jaguars as well, and they're radio collaring them and then following them around to see where they go. So I went out there for a month to help them with that. 
they were trapping jaguars. Uh, there was one guy there trapping jaguars, but I wasn't working with him. But no, we that were trapping. Been crazy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. There was a few where I was staying was right in the middle of this corridor area, and you know there was jaguar sightings all over the place. Did you Did you see one? I didn't see one oh. live in the wild. No, I saw one in the zoo, but that's not really the same thing. But no, plenty of other. Uh, wildlife so kind of pig like things and tree dwelling creatures and <laughs> yeah smaller cats and stuff ocelots and things like that so yeah they're catching a wide wide variety of things so that was really cool <laughs> it was hard work though because it's really hot out there and you're in a forest environment there's lots of bugs so you have to cover up so you're basically in long clothing like sweating so much more this hard work tramping through forests lugging cages around and following things with a radio tracker right and, yeah it was hard work <laughs> And what is police like as a like as a place? I've got a kind of idea of the some of the animals and some of the, fl- yeah. the some of the flora. So yeah. I, I the right <laughs> what was it like as a kind of place to, to sort of be in as a human being? It was an amazing place, actually. Um, and here's an animal joining yeah. us now. Hello, dog. Um, we're in we're in uh, <laughs> in the, in the park taff. by the river tap. It's in Cardiff. Yeah, so that's some it's very idyllic, but we do have a new friend. We do uh, have a dog who's okay. now here. Belize <laughs> is an amazing place. It's really unusual because it's the only Central American country that Spanish isn't the main language. So it was a British colony, it was British Honduras. Okay. Because of that, there's a big British influence. Hello, dog. Off you go. After the microphone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's a really eclectic mix of people. English is one of the main languages along with Spanish. There's the ancient Mayan people. There's a few different, I don't know what the word is, different types of Mayan. So they've got their different languages and there's, there's at least three of those. There's a big Caribbean influence as well. I think it's the only country in Central America mainland that's got a big Caribbean influence. Okay. And they have their own kind of community. So it's a big mishmash of a load of different people. And it's an absolutely amazing place. People are just unbelievably friendly. And there's so much history there. There's a lot of ancient Mayan sites that you can go and see. And there's a really strong influence from America now as well. So basically Americans go there on holiday. So a lot of it is like America away from America. That's the tourist places though. People-wise it's just really diverse and like amazing and landscape-wise it's very diverse as well. There's a lot of mountains and lowland wetlands and I mean, it's just an awesome place. Sounds and, amazing. Yeah, a lot of islands that are off the coast. Like, so the area of Belize is half sea and half land or it's a bit more sea or something. It's got a lot of islands that kind of run north-south and there's an amazing reef system as well. Mm. So it's really shallow sea until you get to the reef which is quite far out and all the islands are dotted there and we went snorkeling and saw sharks and turtles and things like oh, that. Wow. And it's absolutely amazing. I can't I can't praise it enough. And how how long were you there for? Were you six weeks? Six you weeks, yeah. That's a long time. That's yeah. great. <laughs> it was, yeah. So the four weeks I was doing field work, I was basically in one place. Right. And then Andy, my husband, came out and we had two weeks and we travelled around a little bit and popped across the border to Guatemala and then went out to the islands and oh, spent wow. five days on the islands. Yeah, it was amazing. That sounds yeah. great. It sounds a bit like a life changing kind of experience. It is. It's nothing like you could get in Europe. You yeah. know, it's so different. And the people are so different and their experiences and their stories and the way they live life is so different. It can't help but open your eyes. To get to the point where you're doing this PhD, you studied, and it's my Facebook uh, research, (laughs) you did a degree in zoology followed by an MA in biodiversity and conservation. Yeah, Master of Research in Biodiversity and Conservation. Oh, Master of Research. Yeah, that's okay. When I left school, I went to Royal Holloway, part of the University of London, to do a degree in zoology. Yeah. That was fine. It was like any other degree. It taught me nothing for the world of work, but it was great fun. Um, Why zoology? Why? Oh, I fell into zoology as well. I originally applied to do... What did I apply to do? physiology with zoology or something and I got there and they said oh by the way you can't do that because you haven't got a chemistry A-level and I'd already got there by that time <laughs> so I was like oh okay um, I guess I'll just do zoology then so I fell into zoology but looking back on it I think it was the right choice that was good but yeah I came out at the end with it and tried to get a job and couldn't do anything about it I had no skills for job I didn't have what they needed um, so I bummed around for a while and then yeah went up to Leeds to do this masters of research and that was one of the best things I've ever done. Really quite intensive, but the wide variety of stuff I learned and hands-on skills, and it's actually teaching you things that you needed to know to get a job, right. which is really good. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. And yeah, <laughs> uh, so I did a couple of research projects there, and then, yeah, landed a job in York with Natural England. And yeah. so, you, so you lived in York for a bit? Yeah, so we moved up. So yeah, I went to University to do zoology for three years, then went home to Cardiff, stayed there for three years then went to Leeds for the masters for a year yeah. and then got a job in York so we lived in Leeds for I don't know about 18 months and then moved to York when I got the job okay um, and we were there for 
just under two years. I know York quite well because I, uh, my girlfriend's from York. So oh, York! I love York so much. It is oh my god! Oh, I absolutely love it. It's the wind. I'm just, well, I'm just, I'm just holding it just in case <laughs> okay. it blows. Don't worry. Yeah, York is absolutely amazing. Probably the nicest place I've ever lived. It's a very pretty. It's place, absolutely yeah. gorgeous. Oh, yeah, like nice. the town is just amazing, and it's. It's a city, but it's small enough that it doesn't feel like a big city and yeah. people are just friendly. It's in the middle of a really nice countryside and it's, I love York so much. I would no, go back good. in a heartbeat. Really, really lovely. So yeah, I worked for Natural England in York for two years. I kind of just decided that I couldn't get the type of job I wanted unless I got a PhD. And I kind of wanted to do a PhD and I'd been thinking about it for a while. So I applied and got one and said, OK, see you in Natural England. <laughs> I'm off to do a PhD. Yeah, and then I moved down to Southampton. So. so what was Natural England doing? Was that like um, conservation for England then? Or? Yeah, Natural England is... Um, so they, they don't make the policies, but they carry out the policies that DEFRA and the government make on the natural environment. OK. Um, so my job there was a senior land management conservation advisor. So it was working with farmers, essentially, trying to get them to do good things for wildlife on their farm. So they'd sign up to an agreement and we'd go around the farm and see what they could do, like build a hedgerow or put in some wildflowers or um, put in some crops for birds, things of that nature yeah. um, to stop polluting from soil and fertiliser runoff and things like that. Okay. Um, it was an amazing job, really, really good. Got to spend half of my working life out on farms talking to farmers, so that was good. And then seeing the results of people who'd been in the scheme for a couple of years and seeing the difference and the, you know, the doubling in skylarks they'd had on their farm or something or, yeah. you know, something along those lines. So really, like, your job, like, your, your life is now is kind of split between working on a computer, doing uh, modelling and stuff, yep. and being out in the countryside or in, even in, for, in foreign countryside. But yeah, countryside. yeah. At the moment, it's a little bit more computer-based than I would yeah. maybe like in the future. <laughs> So I've done my one trip to Belize you now. You do it and, that, and then you swap it. between the two, really. Uh, you, well, I've, that's the one trip I'm probably going to do in my okay, PhD. Okay, PhD. So now I've got another two and a half years sat in Of computers. Computer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine, you know, I enjoy it. Knowing that it's applied to something real in the real world and I've been there and I know what's going on, it makes all the difference. Yeah, well, I think that's really good that you went on that trip because yeah. that yeah, gives a real practical yeah, exactly. underlying and theory. One of my big things is when people do research, if it's not related to something in the real life or they're not trying to get something that we can do to make an improvement in the real world like why what's the point why are they bothering and yeah. it's um i think there's a lot of things of researchers sitting in their ivy towers in the university and having no clue what's going on in the real world and i you know that's something i would never want to do if i'm going to do something i want it to to have a real impact i want to be able to do something good with it so to go out there and see what life was like in belize and see the issues on the ground it just adds that bit of realism into what i'm doing i can now look at it with a a broader frame of mind and know how it's going to relate to things on the ground and, and what I'm actually want to get from it. I can I can see what you mean. I mean, I, that's how I kind of feel about not science, but uh, <laughs> like that's how I feel about art. Like I'm always like, where's the realism in this? If it's yeah. not got something that's real about like people's lives or people or people's experience, then I I, I, I don't relate to it so yeah. much. So it's, it's, yeah. it's interesting to hear it from like the science side. It's a similar kind of desire. Yeah, I absolutely. often sort of think science and art, um, there isn't this really division that people have made. Like you look at like science-based kind of point of view or research point of view from the past they were the same people who were making art there's there yeah. was no division it's only a kind of more recent thing yeah it's all like an exploration of things really isn't it exactly yeah i mean I, I guess i sometimes think and this is a bit pretentious to okay. say but i sometimes think that kind of art is the exploration of uh the inner world and science is kind of the exploration yeah, of the outer world i would world. absolutely agree with that i um, hope so i hope that's true but i don't know but so i guess sometimes art is about exploring the, the world as well like but, but I think it's about the way we view the world which in essence is is, us. is inner yeah, yeah. that's right yeah, I would definitely agree with that no, that's, true. that's yeah. right what attracted you to conservation in general were you, were you and are you a vegetarian if I remember that right or I, I was a vegetarian that? for okay. a bit in school right um, I'm not anymore I think the stuff I've done with the farmer community has opened my eyes to that a little bit sometimes I think I think I had an idea is that really loud? It's quite loud for me, yeah. There's a helicopter, don't worry. Um. It's, a, it's a thing like when, when I've got the headphones on, I can hear things much more intensely than oh, the right. person I'm talking to. So they, they, they always don't okay. get confused. And I'm like, oh, but, okay. but, don't, but don't worry about okay. it, it'll be fine. Oh, I forgot what I was saying. Oh, vegetarian. Yeah. Right, okay. So, right. yeah, when I was a vegetarian, I think I had a very idealistic view of the world and, well, don't hurt the pretty little animals, you know. Um, I think as I grew older and understood more of 
of the world and what goes on and nature and the way things work, I think it's it's a bit. It feels strange to me to say that we don't want to eat meat because lots of things eat meat. That's the way the world works. We've got canines. Yeah, exactly. That's, I always, that's always my, <laughs> exactly. my, my thought on it. It's kind of like saying to a dog, "Why is a dog eating meat?" I mean, is <laughs> that really loud again? <laughs> there is a helicopter for some reason flying over Sabir Gardens. Back you over see the a tap. body floating along yeah. the path now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you realise that. Well, you saw that the natural world has, has animals eating other yeah. animals and we're yeah, just part of that feature. Yeah, and it seems a little bit strange to be a vegetarian. I mean, if people are vegetarians for their animal welfare issues, yeah. that's different. That's um, very reasonable. Because there are a lot of concerns on, on animal welfare, so that's completely reasonable. And I think that's, that's a choice that we're able to make. But to be a vegetarian like I was when I was 12 or whatever it was, you know, not really knowing what was going on, just to say, oh, I don't want to eat that sheep. That seems a bit weird. You'd finished being a vegetarian by the end of school, I think. Hadn't yeah, you? yeah, I yeah. Had, I, yeah. I remember that. Actually, I remember that change. Do you? Well, I remember. <laughs> I remember you not being a vegetarian, and you had been a vegetarian before. I don't remember the like the moment. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was a bacon <clears> sandwich. <throat> that was really weird, isn't it? I don't know. One day I just decided I didn't want to be a vegetarian anymore. Most vegetarians I've talked to that have stopped being a vegetarian, it tends to have been a bacon sandwich. Yeah. I don't know what. what <laughs> it must be the bacon, bacon. thing. <laughs> it's just too good. I mean, the, the other argument, I guess, for being a vegetarian these days is that it's better in terms of carbon footprints as well oh and like yeah because uh, cattle farming is like major impact on the environment um and yeah that is an issue um but that's just because we've got so many people and we need to feed them no no uh, what i keep thinking is i wish i ate like i'm, I'm never going to be a vegetarian that's not going to yeah. happen right <laughs> but i wish yeah. i ate less meat sometimes i sort of think well hang on today i've had three meals and all of them have had meat involved yeah. and that's not like human beings are redesigned to eat that much meat. Yeah. Like if you look at an animal, they eat very interspersed, mm. like spa spaced out, don't they? And we, because we, because we can cook and we can farm and we can get it all in the freezer. Yeah, it's, it's demand uh, for meat, I guess. We can it? have it any time we like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an interesting point, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I still eat meat, and I'm yeah. not eating it. <laughs> yeah. So you're no longer a vegetarian, but you obviously have a kind of environmental interest, I guess. Yeah, it's a bit weird to say this, but it's like equality. Like we as humans, okay, we may be more intellectual, we may have a higher intellectual capability, but I don't think that gives us an inherent right to be better than anything or to control things or to use things for our own purposes. Mm. Um, and also, like the amount of sounds really corny but the amount of joy you can get from sitting where we are now overlooking a river under trees seeing yeah. green i mean and it's indescribable really i can't i would hate to live in a world where there was no environment and yeah. we couldn't live in a world where there was no environment no. because we we rely on the environment for so many different things that we can't even grasp i mean it comes back to the, the my phd is complex system so the environment is a complex system and it's it's Essentially, it's like if you do something to one part of the system, you can't predict what the outcome on the system as a whole is going to be. Yeah. And I think that's really true of the environment. I mean, you can look at anything, cutting down a forest in some area, and have no idea the impact that's going to have on something else. Everything is so intricately linked to everything else yeah. that we have no idea of, of the fallout from our actions. And I think if we don't stop doing something about it now, we're just going to be, the world is going to be ruined in 50 years or something. Um, yeah, definitely. And we're really going to regret it. And <laughs> This is humans aren't going to survive without the environment it's yeah. just a combination thing you know we're not on our own the world supports us and we need to do something about it you come from cardiff i come from cardiff a bit yeah <laughs> sort of. i've been in places <laughs> yeah but cardiff i lived in see that's the thing i lived in north wales in a village in in the countryside when okay. i was really young between three and eight so i experienced the countryside for the best years to experience actually when you're yeah. when, when it's like a a, the best playground yeah, you can have. Yeah. You lived in Cardiff, so there's a lot of parks in Cardiff. I always say it's quite a green yeah, city, actually. Is, yeah. And when I, when I was writing a book about uh, like a novel based, sometimes located some some of the locations are in Cardiff, and I, I had an aerial map of Cardiff, okay. and I was just amazed by how green yeah. the map was. Yeah. But at the same time, it is a city, and it's not the countryside as such. Did yeah. you have much experience of the countryside before you decided to, to get involved in it? Um, Oh, it's a difficult question. I no more so than the average person, I would say. I don't. I can't describe why some people have an affinity with the environment, some people don't. I I really can't describe it. Um, 
you know, I, I don't live in the middle of the country. I don't have a massive garden. I don't, I never particularly went camping a lot or things like that. But I, I love being outside. I don't know where that's come from, to be honest. Uh, my brother definitely isn't like that at all. So no, a lot of people aren't. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I'm like that. I like being in the countryside. I do like being in the cities as well, but I, I do like being in the countryside. I'm sort of in the middle, but there's some people I know really only feel happy in the countryside, yeah. and some people I know only feel happy in the city. Yeah, and it's I don't weird. Know what that's about. I, I don't understand how that happens. All I know is that I, I love being outside, and I love nature and everything that's natural and... Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love cities and you know, there's a lot to do in cities and it provides yeah. opportunities you can't get in the countryside. But for me, there's nothing better than being in the countryside and seeing green fields and trees and water and, you know, I, I don't know. It's, I can't no, describe I mean, it really. No, I know what you mean. I, mean, I feel the same. Yeah. It must have been amazing going to Belize and seeing that kind of countryside. But I always think that people don't really appreciate how lovely the British countryside is. Oh, they is. so don't. It's so put down by everybody in Britain and outside Britain. Yeah, I think I know. it's because we don't have really dramatic landscapes or really dramatic animals. I mean, the biggest animal we've got here is a deer. Yeah. Um, you know, the, Carnival-wise, it's a fox or a badger or something, yeah. and it's not a bear or a wolf or not you know, anymore, there's not no. dramatic, yeah. you know, landscapes and big cliffs and rugged mountain top. Well, okay, well, in Scotland that, there are. That's the thing. I mean, all the late the Lake District is an amazingly dramatic landscape, I think, and, and Cornwall as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I I love those places and Ireland as well and and Wales. I mean, the, yeah, the there there is stuff. And, um, and Snowdonia. I think for people in the UK, it's just because it's on our doorstep and you never appreciate anything that's on your doorstep. Um, that's true. You know, people travel to Switzerland to see mountains where they could just go to the Lake District yeah. or to the Highlands of Scotland exactly. or something and they never do. I don't know. It's, if it's foreign, it's better. I don't know. <laughs> I also feel like my feeling as well is that the weather in the UK is, mm. um, well, I think it's good, I, but I think it's only a good you only enjoy the weather if you're in the countryside. Yeah. Like that's where it that's where it's right. So when it rains and I'm in the countryside and then the sun comes out. Like like here where we're sitting, you can forget you were in the city. Yeah. And if it rained it'd be like, Oh, we're a bit we get a bit wet, get under a tree but it's quite dramatic yeah. and it's nice and yeah. uh, but when you're in a city and you have the the, the, the weather, that's when it kind of drags yeah. you down and and yeah. I think the weather puts people off the countryside, which is yeah. a shame because if they went to the countryside, yeah. they'd enjoy <laughs> it the weather. Be the, yeah. yeah, I think it's uh, the weather gets in the way when you're in a city. You've got things to do yeah. when you're going places, and damn, it's raining and I can't do that. Yeah. But in your country, it's the weather is part of the country, and it comes like it all comes together as a big package. And in the city, you make more, you make rash choices because you're like. I've only got to go a small amount of distance, I won't take a raincoat. Yeah. And then you get angry that yeah. you've got rain done. Whereas in the <laughs> exactly. country you don't have that choice. No, no, no. You, you have to prepared. go prepared. Yeah. And that's the, that's yeah. the thing. I do like the countryside, although I'm not very good at being prepared. Me and Jen, my girlfriend, we lived in Lancaster. We, I went to university in Lancaster. Okay. And we lived there afterwards because a little bit like you, we were like, uh, we, have, we can't get a job with yeah. our degrees. What do we do? <laughs> yeah. we, we ended up just falling into sort of, uh, well, I, I, I ended up working in the libraries and Jen works in sort of, education but okay. not as a teacher but as a teaching assistant now okay. because we want to write so that gives us time yeah. to, to write and do arty Sounds things good. but we, we used to travel to the Lake District when we started our horrible jobs that we didn't like at that time now we like our jobs okay. <laughs> but back then it was kind of the only nice moments like we 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 had a car at the time we got rid of it when we came to London but we drive off into the Lake District and we did camp and go to the to yeah. the countryside and have a lovely time but we were really bad at being prepared one time we 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 bought some whiskey some nice whiskey in the shop yeah. and some slow gin and some dan damson gin okay right? because <laughs> we're in the, we're in the we're in the town right. and then we went decided to go on a hike up a mountain carrying this like um this quite heavy <laughs> booze the whole way and uh she was wearing i think she said she says now she wasn't wearing high heels so i'll have to accept that but she was wearing ridiculously inappropriate shoes <laughs> i remember that being the case and the the guidebook because it was written in the 30s it said it was an easy walk but it had landslides or something oh, since then so we were like walking up cliff faces and stuff with her terrible shoes and we didn't have anything to drink apart from the gin so we had to drink the gin at a, like a really high altitude and it was really but it was a great day but uh, but, uh, yeah. but it was strange and we got incredibly wet and we didn't have the right clothes but oh, then that made the, that made going to the uh going to the pub at the end of it and warming up by the fire that was really you yeah, know worth it yeah you know yeah and that's the thing yeah you know. i kind of did a similar thing uh, met some friends um from my masters in leeds and we went walking up near bolton abbey which is in yorkshire somewhere 
and um, we're like, oh, this walk will just probably take about two hours, and we'll stop and have some lunch. Six hours later, we're like, where the hell is this pub? <laughs> you know, we were all knackered, absolutely knackered. We got this pub about three o'clock in the afternoon. We were supposed to get there about twelve. They had just finished serving food. Then we had to go and find another pub so we could actually get some food. And oh, it was the longest day, longest yeah. walk of my life. And then we had to walk all the way back to the car. And yeah, bad planning is not good when you're out <laughs> in the country. And we were just dead by the end. It was just ridiculous. But yeah, that pub, when they said they were serving food, I've never been so happy all my life. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's the thing. If you push yourself to the limits in a way, you can really appreciate yeah. the, uh, the experience the of like basics like yeah. food <laughs> and stuff. You don't even need anything fancy, do no. you? Okay, now I'm looking at my notes and I don't even understand. <laughs> I, I don't understand most of the words <laughs> that I've written down that you do. Okay. <laughs> um, but, right. right. I, I do under, I'll go with the words I understand. Okay. Right, hedgehogs and right. turtles. Why have I written those down? Oh, okay. So this is the first model I did as part of my PhD. Um, it was like, so the first taught year we did was a bit like a master's. So it was a thesis over the summer at the end of the master's. Um, my first foray into Egypt-based simulations. Um, so I had some data of somebody gone around radio tracking hedgehogs. They basically picked them up and moved them somewhere else and radio tracked them and then followed them to see where they went to gain an idea of how they visualise the landscape and where they prefer to go wow. when they're dispersing, So, which is when they're moving from the place they're born to the place they're going to reproduce. So somebody had done that and somebody else had tried to come up with a model to understand the way they do that. So it's called the least cost model. And what you do is you, you get an aerial um, habitat map of, of an area of a landscape. You break it down into its different habitat types. And then you give a value to each habitat type. So the higher the value, the less you want to go there. So for a hedgehog, it was green fields and forests were really low because they like those. Roads were high, water is high, urban areas are kind of middling because they don't mind that. So you build a map of that and then you can try to understand which or how they're going to navigate through a landscape. So I had that data and I built an agent-based model in this software package called NetLogo. The agents are called turtles. Oh, right. So that's where the turtle things come okay. from. So the turtles were mimicking the way the hedgehogs move. Right. Um, <laughs> so I did two different models. My first model was just taking one of those least cost models of the habitat maps and saying if hedgehogs only move according to where areas are of least cost then this is what will happen if you add in a few or one extra rule that says in day they prefer to be protected in a forest to go to sleep or in night they prefer to feed in an open field just add in that extra rule then you look at how they move around and it was dramatically different so i was looking at the effect of habitat fragmentation on the way that they move in the, the model where they were only moving according to which areas were of least cost, yeah. as fragmentation increased, the average cost of the path that they walked through the landscape increased. Okay. Whereas in the second model, when you added in that they preferred to go here in the day and here in the night, fragmentation had no effect on the average cost. Okay, so what does cost mean? What, in so, this cost, um, so cost can be a variety of things. It's physiological cost or it can be the threat and danger from predation or being run over by a car. Okay. So you take everything into consideration, the amount of food so availability. So the risk of it, I guess. Yeah, the, yeah, and the, the risk. And how hard it is to yeah, experience. Yeah, so in, in a life situation, hedgehogs prefer to be in forests because they can find other hedgehogs there, they can find food there, they've got protection there. Whereas if they're in the middle of a river, they're going to die because they're drowning. You right. know, it's yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. So the, the value that you give each, each habitat... And they don't want to be on a road too much. because Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a high danger of death. Yeah, so it was just looking at if you make hedgehogs a little bit more realistic by using an agent-based model, you can get a much better idea of how like landscape it. changes affect them compared to only using the least cost model. Yeah, OK. Sense. So you, you track to see what they really did. Yeah. And then you took those kinds of considerations into your simulation yep. rather than just basing it on logic we had a landscape yeah. and gave different costs to the habitats so we had one set of costs and then changed the cost of some of them and had another set so they were different sets different models okay. and then we used the actual hedgehog data to find the best model so oh, the, the one that fitted yeah, what the they actually fitted, did the most yeah yeah oh, and cool. then and took then that into the agent-based simulation ah, yeah. that's, that yeah. makes sense that's that's really clever We've got a cat at the moment. It's not our cat, but we're looking after it. Okay. Full time looking after okay. it. So, uh, we always wonder where the hell she goes. Like, yeah. you know, she was away for a week and we didn't know 
you know, we, we put up posters and stuff and we were worried about her coming back and yeah. I've always wondered, where yeah, does she go? Yeah, it's intriguing, isn't you it? Know, I, I want to tra track her. Yeah, there's been... Um, I read BBC Wildlife magazine and in there they do things and they, they um, wrote about this one PhD student who was looking at that for a PhD and she radio tracked her own cat and followed it around. I can't remember what the outcome was, but I think they were trying to see if the cat had an effect on the local bird population. They were killing ah, a lot of birds. That's quite interesting. And they basically followed them around and they had a map of the urban area and the little dots of where this cat had been going. I think it stayed quite local to the house, but I think it's, yeah, you can see like the route it takes. And My cat has a bad effect on the population. Really? Of She's always bringing birds in, it's oh, horrible. It is I horrible. Don't, I don't, really don't know what to do with a live bird. I know, well. because I've got a cat and she does exactly the same thing and there's a, a horrible little chick she must have got out of a nest that's oh. lying in her back garden at the moment and it's just, it's horrible, I don't know what to do with it. Oh, I wish I mean, they'd just eat them. Yeah. Or kill them. If they play dead and then the, the cat goes away and then they come back and it's yeah. like, oh God. Yeah, I know. My cat brought a vole into the house and we thought it was dead because it was in her mouth and she put it down it started yeah, running away. And away. The, yeah, and we had to put the cat in another room and try to pick up this vole and take it out. We've had to take a lot of birds and the, wor the worst is birds because they just, oh, they, they go to the toilet all over the room, you know, yeah. and they're flying about and there's yeah. feathers everywhere and you're like, oh God, this is a mess. I know, and but I feel so guilty when my cat brings it back because, <laughs> oh, it's just, you know, I don't like killing things. <laughs> well, no, cat. that's it. Yeah, you're doing conservation, but yeah, your cat's undermining I it. I know, it's a paradox, <laughs> yeah. Our cat probably won't be such a bad effect on the population now, because uh, when she went missing, we, we had to get her a collar, and it's got like a bell oh, on it now, so it. she's okay. not going to be able to catch anything. Like, yeah. I didn't think of that, I was like, now I'm like, oh no, she's going to get hungry. I guess that means she'll come back and eat her food, yeah. so that's good. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Cool, so that, that's the one I didn't understand. Okay. I understood the words, but I didn't understand yeah, why I'd written it. Yeah, that's a bit um, weird. Now, okay, S spatially explicit agent-based simulations of landscape-level population dynamics. We've right, sort of, okay. Have we covered yeah, that? Yeah. Is that what we just covered? Yeah, that's, okay. exa that's exactly it in, in science speak, yeah. So that <laughs> is the hedgehog turtles thing? Yeah, that's in, in essence what my whole PhD is doing. Spatially explicit, because I'm seeing where they go in the real world, in real landscapes. I can't remember what the rest of it was, but agent-based simulations of the computer programs I'm doing, so, yeah. Cool. Alright, so there's a couple of other things I thought would be interesting to talk about. We've okay. just got the last 20 minutes of, okay. or so of this conversation. We're Facebook friends, and a couple of times when I've posted things in Welsh, you've liked those things. Yeah. I think you're quite proud to be Welsh, would yes, you say? Yes, very much so. Do you, do you speak Welsh? I know a little bit. I'm actively in the process of trying to relearn it again. It's difficult because I've moved away from Wales and nobody in my family speaks Welsh. I don't have any friends who speak Welsh. I'm kind of a one-man band, really, but <laughs> it's my life mission to be able to, to speak Welsh. And I intend on doing it because my nephew is going to be going to Welsh school and when I have kids, I want them to go to a Welsh-speaking school. And yeah, it's just one of my life ambitions. How can I not speak my native language? You know, it annoys me. It annoys me so much. <laughs> what is being Welsh to you? Oh my god, um, it's everything, it really is everything. It's, I tried to explain this to my, my friends who aren't Welsh and it's, I, think, I think I've got a lot more proactively Welsh since I've left Wales because yeah, I, 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 I feel so. I've had to defend it a lot because you get a lot of jibes from people about being Welsh and I always feel I have to defend it and I, and I do and it's made me really proud of where I've come from and I kind of, I think it's, it gives you an outlook on life. Like, if you're Welsh, and it's really difficult to explain in a way that I guess people who are Scottish probably have the same thing, or, so, or yeah. Irish, or or even Cornish in some ways. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like the actual um, Cornish population, not all, not all of the rich people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's because you're a minority. It's because you're a part of the UK that's probably forgotten in a lot of cases. It's because the world has no idea who you are and where you come from. It's a lot of our culture and our heritage as well. And I, I just feel so proud and so happy that I am Welsh. I would never choose to be anything else, never. Even though it, it causes me grief sometimes, but I would never change it in a million years. I, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't describe it. No, I mean, I, I, I'm not Welsh, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but you've lived here for a long time. I, I, so. well, I've lived, I lived in Cardiff and I lived in North Wales. I mean, I, I identify more with Welsh people than with English people. Okay. I've lived in both places. I've had Welsh people hassle me for being English and I've had English people hassle me for being Welsh. Yeah. And uh, I think the Welsh have got more justification yeah. uh, for the hassle. <laughs> totally. And I think that there is definitely a different culture in Wales yeah. and it's a good culture and I, I enjoy it. And it's very open and yeah. one of the things I think about Welsh people is it's much more emotional. As a man, it's much more appropriate to be emotional in Wales. Oh, I think. totally. Like, yeah. The Welsh are really 
down with that idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you see people crying when, and like, uh, this sounds so silly, but if it's like a certain occasion we're singing the national anthem, I could easily cry. Like, that's so sad to say that, but and I, I don't know why. But it's because you got a good national anthem. God <laughs> yeah, save the do, Queen's actually. rubbish. So <laughs> I hate that. How can you cry to that? If it was Jerusalem, well, it might be a bit better. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you see grown men crying at rugby yeah. matches and the, the national anthem at rugby matches, and I think it's because we're an underdog and a small nation yeah. and a minority, and you feel like you have to. If you're not proud of it, then what's but, the point? But then I think because you're an underdog, that kind of gives you the cultural identity as well. Because yeah, it, it, absolutely. Because it gives you something to unite against. Yeah. The, the English haven't got anything to unite no, against. And so. I, sometimes I feel sorry for English people in a way because, yeah, they haven't they haven't got a challenge and there's no reason why they should promote the fact that they're English. Um, and they also, for some reason, they're all, almost not allowed to be as patriotic as yeah. Welsh people or Scottish people or whatever. And I... I I think that's quite bad, well, the, so I feel sorry for them. The racists are stealing the debate as well yeah. in, in England. I mean, like, if you meet a Welsh nationalist, they'll nearly always be a nice person, but if you meet somebody who defines themselves as a British nationalist, then they're not a nice yeah, person. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's, that's the problem. Yeah. You kind of, I mean, there's a lot of English people who sort of feel very much like, who I know who are like, oh, I'd like to reclaim the, you know, the flag of St George back from the racists yeah. and, and try and get, get some kind of Definitely. English cultural identity and yeah. I do sympathise with that. I do. I don't see any reason why English people shouldn't be as patriotic as anyone else. No, it's true. Although I do to. find it hard when I see the flag of St George, I do, I do see it like because I've mostly seen it with like on racist, with racist yeah. people involved in it, especially yeah. like in London it's a bit of a, it's a provocative, like if you put a Welsh flag on your house in London there would be no issue, but okay. if you put a, the, the flag of St George you're kind of probably a racist, wow, it seems okay, to be the I didn't know that. Well, the thing is, London isn't very racist generally, but it has a lot of races. So okay. there is. So when it when people are racist, th they can be very kind okay. of pro proactive about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. I guess. I think that's yeah. my opinion. It's sad, isn't it? A, I, I'm not even a native Londoner, though, so I shouldn't <laughs> even really pass pass comment on anywhere. Really, I haven't got anywhere I can sort of pass comment on without someone saying you're not you're not of that place. <laughs> You've moved around too much. You're going to send your children to a Welsh school? Yes. You don't live in I, Wales? I don't at the moment, but we are planning on moving back once I finish my PhD. Okay. Um, so we should only be where we are for another two years and then straight back to Wales. And will you be coming back yeah. to Cardiff, do you think? Possibly. We've talked about where we'd want to go. I'd really like to be outside of the city somewhere, but I love Cardiff, so I, I couldn't say no, but ideally I would want to be in a smaller town or village outside of Cardiff. Cardiff's good in both ways, really. If you're in Cardiff, it's easy to get to the countryside, and if you're yeah. in the countryside, it's easy to get to Cardiff. Exactly. So yeah. It works both ways. Yeah. Is your is your husband Welsh? He is. He's ah, from Merthyr Good. Well done. <laughs> yep. Did you, you didn't meet in Wales, though, did you? Yeah, we oh, did. did. Yeah, yeah. I'd come back from uni. Oh, um, yeah, that's right. And okay. we started working at a bar in town. Just met and yeah, got together. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. You've been married for two years, haven't you? That's yeah, right. two. Yeah, just over two years. Yeah, been cool. together for nearly eight. So it's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> we went to school together. We did. And we were in drama class together. Yep. Now, sixth form was probably my favourite time in school. Yeah. It was like, I loved that time. Yep. And I, I really liked that drama class. Because it was very much, um, uh, I don't know, like, it was more like a family. It felt a oh, bit like a family by the end. Definitely, definitely. I, I look back on, on A-levels and drama especially with such fond memories. Um, that, that made school worth it for me. Mm. That was what, yeah, I... When I left, I really missed it. I really do look back on it with fond memories. It was an amazing time. Me too. Really amazing time. And it was quite intensive as well because drama is like a lot of time out of school as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You sort of get to know yeah. each other quite well. Yeah. And um, all like all the shows we did as well, yeah. like Grease and, and stuff. Um, That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I wouldn't have had it any other way though. It was like if I hadn't have done drama A level, well, I don't know. I I would have hated it. Like that was my one like fun outlet in A levels. You know, it was. That was my reason for going there. <laughs> no, it was amazing. I loved it. I know what you mean. I sort yeah. of felt similar. School before sixth form was hard. I found it very hard. Yeah. I think I probably had it harder than a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, I think you did. We were t talking earlier on off mic about going away to uni being a sort of time that you can re-find yourself if, yeah. you, if, you, if, you, yeah. if you're lucky. Yeah. And you, you had that kind of experience. I absolutely had that experience, yeah. School was interesting for me. I had really good parts and I had really crappy parts. I didn't enjoy a lot of school, really didn't, hated going for quite a bit of it. So when I left uni, it was a chance to put all that behind me mm. and to move away from home and grow as a person and become somebody. I don't think I was really anybody when I was in school. I was a bit of a drifting feather or something in the wind and I really needed to 
to say right this is me and this is who I am and I'm happy with that and and grow and become more confident in myself and confident with other people and yeah just understand a bit more about myself it sounds really corny doesn't it no it doesn't sound corny it sounds true because I think that's how a lot of people yeah. that's how, how a lot of people feel and if it's corny in any way it's just because a lot of people feel that way yeah. and so it gets kind of repeated you certainly seem more confident in yourself now yeah, than definitely. when I, I knew you at school yeah. and I think I'm probably much more confident in myself now yeah you do seem it than when I was at school yeah. I think I exhibited insecurity by going the other way and probably being really too loud and stuff and but certainly I was very insecure at school yeah. and uh, now I'm yeah hopefully I'm much more confident for the yeah, minute for this year for this minute yeah <laughs> I think it's just being happy with who you are and being comfortable with who you are yeah and uh, if anyone can manage that at school I'll be very surprised it is hard yeah I think it's also like I find getting older as, as well it, it's, it's like being happy with who I am is important but also finding out the areas of who I am that I don't like and learning to manage them yeah, better. Because I don't know if you can ever change these factors in yourself, but you can manage them better. Yeah, That's how uh, I, sort yeah of feel. I, I definitely agree. Going to university and everything that comes after that, you meet such a wide variety of people that you never meet at school. That's right. That you, you do are exposed to different situations and different characters and you, yeah, you do learn how to deal with things. And Although I did also have the experience of in school I was the only like writer like in the, that I knew of like yeah. there, was a, there was a few other people who had that kind of impulse but it was I was a minority and then yeah. going to university doing theatre studies and creative writing suddenly everybody's clever everybody's good at yeah. stuff everybody's good at writing yeah. and suddenly I'm like oh right everyone's yeah. good at writing <laughs> I kind good. of have the same thing it sounds really stupid but music I never found anybody who I gelled with really well in school who shared similar interests in music and things like that maybe I just didn't realise at the time and afterwards I found people who I can share things like that with and I've really that really helped me grow in having people to share that aspect of my life with what which kind, I never what found kind of school. music well it sounds really stupid but just like metal or indie or alternative and stuff like that yeah. and I never listened to any of that in school because nobody I knew really liked that I mean you probably I did, did yeah. but maybe <laughs> we just didn't talk about that no, I no, don't well, know but well, I think I think your group didn't listen yeah. to it and we were though like that's the thing about drama is it brought different groups together yeah. it was a little bit like a a pre-university university yeah, where lots of different was. kinds of people suddenly yeah. they're doing a play together and you get to know yeah. each other and you see that we're all human beings and yeah, we're all absolutely. similar but I guess your friendship group weren't necessarily into, no, into no. India and certainly not metal no 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 I'm nobody quite surprised was. to hear, really? hear you say metal but I think you know I like a bit of metal occasionally I'm yeah. quite picky about it that helped me enormously finding people to share that with because you never realise how how much of an impact music and stuff like that can have on you and just the experience of going to festivals and going to gigs and stuff that I would never have had with people I was friends with at school you know and it's yeah, yeah it's been really nice to find people who I can share that with and that's, that's been a big thing for me as well I think it's, it's it sounds, interesting isn't it it sounds as though it shouldn't be as big as it was but it really was well that's the thing though things that are big to us as individuals aren't, aren't, don't necessarily sound big but they can be really profound like yeah, yeah. certainly I, I found that a lot of my, I mean, well, I make music, so maybe that's to be expected. I really kind of was turned on to different kinds of music by mm. different friends. Yeah. That, and that music has had a profound, you know, yeah. each of those bands or whatever has had a very profound effect on yeah. my life, I think. Absolutely. I think it's really important. And yeah, I found out for me that it was really important. It's really interesting to hear at school. It was, uh, yeah, I like I like that music, and you and you didn't uh, and you didn't know you liked it. That's yeah, I guess I just wasn't aware of, of things at school. I don't know. Did you go out much when you when we were at school? Like go out in the nights? Oh yeah. Yeah, you did, didn't yeah. you? I thought you did. Yeah, but it was I mean Zeus seventies night in Zeus on a Thursday. I went to that. Yeah. Well, that's right, seventies night in Zeus on a Thursday. I went yeah. to. And then I went to metros as well. You see, see, I never got see into that's metros where you should have gone because that's where that's where yeah. you'd have liked the music. Oh yeah, it, it was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I didn't go there until after I'd left uni. Wow, that's weird. crazy. Yeah, I know. And, I went um, back there once after I'd left, left uni, and I was like, "It's all changed. <laughs> Everyone likes new metal now." <laughs> so it was good for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. So I never had that when I was in school. You know. So no, it's, it's interesting. Difference. I've always been a bit like this. I, I sort of crossed over a few groups because I did go to the 70s nights in zoos, yeah. but I also went to metros on a Friday yeah. night. But yeah. yeah. Was that on a Thursday, 70s night in zoos? It was, yeah. 
know. On a school night. <laughs> a school I night. know. How do we get away with that? I, know. I swear to God, it's I like went the whole there school most was weeks, in that club so. on, oh, yeah. on, that, on that night. <laughs> yeah. It's like the whole school was in the Angel Tavern on a Friday night as well. Yeah. It's like. It's weird, isn't What's it? What's going on? Oh, no. Like, and I, I obviously did not look 18 when I was 18, so God knows how I got in there before I was 18. I'll never know. Well, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I never understood how I got into places, because as, especially as a bloke, it's much harder to get into places, I think, as a bloke. Yeah. I, I never really had a, ever had any problems. No, I didn't either. It's weird. It freaks think, me out. I don't know what it is. No. Cause, <laughs> oh, I, oh, I, saw, I was still getting ID'd well into my 20s. So when I was 17, I... I must have looked about 13. They must have of. known that everyone was underage, I think. They must have known, yeah. I mean, you do know, don't you? I mean, I think with women it is sometimes hard to tell their exact age. Yeah. But I now, now I'm like, God, I'm nearly 30. Yeah. Like, I look like, uh, if I meet someone who's 19, I know they're 19. You yeah. know, if I meet someone who's 18, I, kn I know they're young. Yeah. Like, it's really clear to me that the difference between it being is. 29 yeah. And being that age. Absolutely. At uni, I felt like I was an adult, but now I look back at when I was oh, uni, I'm yeah. like, oh my god, I was still a child. <laughs> I, I was really still a child. Because I'm in uni now, and I yeah. see people who are in first and second year, third years even, I'm like, I was never like that, surely. They're so <laughs> naive and so childlike and so, you know, unworldly wise, yeah. and it just seems weird. They're open. Really weird. I think a lot of, if they're open to the world a lot of the time. Like, I yeah. remember being a lot more open like that, and then you get a bit more guarded. I yeah. Think, because you have to. It's yeah. funny, you sort of, you have to get more open from when you're at school because everyone's a bit too, I, well I was very guarded at school in yeah, some ways, or yeah. not very efficiently guarded, <laughs> but I tried to be guarded yep. at school. Yeah. And so you have to get a bit more open to that, but then you have to go back the other way, I yeah, think. Yeah, definitely. Otherwise. I've definitely done that. I, I feel as I'm getting older, almost becoming less tolerant of things. I know what I like yeah. and I know what I don't like and I'm less willing to stand for things that I don't agree with or I don't appreciate or don't like and I'm, I'm yeah, very much like that now. Definitely more like that. Yeah. Definitely. When I was young, when I was at school, for example, I was very bombastic about my opinions. I know, like I know what I think and I think it really strongly. Yeah. Well, whereas now I, I don't feel like that generally. I'm more like everybody's opinions equally valid and there is no truth and all this yeah. nonsense. Yeah. But, and, and, and so I've kind of got come down off like always thinking I'm right but personally I'm definitely much more I can't be bothered with this yeah. I can't be bothered oh, with that yeah. oh Absolutely. well you know you know fair play whatever but I'm not getting you know I'm yeah. not getting involved anymore in, in, in getting in big debates about like on face sometimes on Facebook because I because I have provocative opinions I yeah. end up having provocative <laughs> responses which is not surprising yeah. I should expect this no. but I sort of a lot of the time I just get to the sort of point where I'm like well, I don't agree with you, you don't agree with me, but we're, we're both allowed to have opinions, yeah, exactly. let's just leave it. Yeah. I don't want to have the arguments anymore exactly. as much. Yeah. I think that's an example of getting older. Like I'm having a lot less, well, maybe I'm having almost as many arguments, but I'm not enjoying them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I've got I a long like way it. to go. <laughs> Give it another 10 years and yeah, maybe I'll have too exactly. many arguments. <laughs> yeah. That's true, though. <laughs> it's funny, though. <laughs> Definitely getting older yeah. is a very strange... It is strange. I don't know uh, how I feel about getting 30. No, I tell you what, I'm not doing anything for my 30th. I, don't, I know. I don't People want to keep asking me, and it. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm nothing. I'll just sleep through the day. If, if I don't want a surprise party as well. Oh, no. When I, I was, was interviewing Dave Pierce yesterday, yeah. and he said that he was, he was going afterwards, and this won't be broadcast for ages, so I can say this, he was going afterwards to a friend's surprise 30th, Okay. And I was like, oh my God, if somebody threw a surprise 30th for me, I would be absolutely, like, I would, I would hate it. I would leave. I would be, yeah, I don't exactly. think I could handle it. I really, no, I'm not a big, I don't, I like going to parties, other people's, but I hate having my own. I really, really don't like that at all. And if, if I had a surprise party, no, I'd leave. But it's really funny though, I don't want to be 30. I don't want to be that age. I don't want to get older. Yeah. But at the same time, I do feel like I know myself a hell of a lot better. Oh, yeah. So actually, probably being 30 is going to be a lot more fun in yeah. some ways or a lot more fulfilling. Yeah, I, th but I think not, a lot you know, like freer in one respect because you've, you've found yourself. You've, you're on the line of career or whatever the hell you, you, know, you, you want to be. You've got all that, or maybe got all that kind of sorted to a certain extent yeah. by the time you're 30. You don't need to worry about all those things. You don't need to create a life for yourself like you did when you were 20. There's some things um, going a bit right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not all open and unexpected. Or yeah. it shouldn't, I guess it shouldn't be, yeah. I think you kind of learn to deal with the 
unexpected a little bit better as well when yeah. things do go wrong. I'm always having this experience as an adult where I'm like, I'm doing this thing and I'm just doing it. Like, <laughs> like you know, like renting a house, for example. Like, oh, yeah. Originally when I started renting a house, I'm like, hang on, I'm doing this adult thing, I'm just doing it. I know. know. Like going to work, I'm like every so often, like, hang on, I'm, act, I'm at work and I'm actually just, I'm, I'm just doing this thing. I, it's weird, know. isn't it? You're like a grown-up before or, you Or realize. someone gives you a kid, like I work with children now and I'm like, so occasionally I'm like, I'm holding a child and yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm responsible here and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm being responsible. What the I hell know, has happened? it's weird, isn't but it? But I mean, I, those moments I kind of feel good. I'm like, well, okay. Yeah, you can just do these things, can't yeah. you? You can just be an adult. I know. You, you can, you can. I feel that way. I'm in the process of buying a house at the moment, and it's just oh like... Oh, God. At some points, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm buying a house. And other times, I'm like, that's, that's no problem. It's, you know, it's nothing to worry about. Yeah, well, the, yeah. the only problem for like, a lot of people is just getting on that housing ladder. Yeah, you're, you're, it's really you're, difficult. It's, I'm you know, happy for you that you're getting on there, because yeah. it's, it's, it's a hard, hard thing. It is hard, really hard. I mean, I, I, it's, it's funny, like, I, I know hardly anybody that's got a house now. Neither do I. A friend who's... Yeah, a friend who's got a house up, up in Manchester, and that's that's really oh no, and a friend who's yeah. and a friend who's got a house as well, but two friends, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and you, so that's and three. me, three, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's hard these days. Like ten percent deposit is the the least you need. It's crazy, it really is crazy. Oh, it is, but it's one of those things that you just find that you are. Yeah, doing. you do, and it, it feels quite good to do it as well, really. Yeah, well, I bet <laughs> after renting for so long, it'd be so nice just to get your own house. The thing about it is, then you can just do what you want to do yeah. in that house yeah so many things i want to do in the house because <laughs> we're renting the house that we're buying yeah so um oh right so yeah. okay so we've been living there for a year and we've got right i really want to do that i really want to paint that you know because all the walls are really horrible cream color it's like, i detest it so yeah i just want to get that's, on the deal that's nice though, <laughs> that you've had like a year where you haven't been able to do anything so when you do it you, you know that you've yeah. really thought about it yeah yeah absolutely that's really so cool it'll be good yeah Okay, well, the last question that I ask is, um, do you have anything that you want to plug? Which is a strange question to do most people who aren't in plug. the arts. <laughs> um, the only things I would plug, I guess, are work-related. So, University of Southampton, Complex System Simulation, DTC, do it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a good plug. Yeah, it's a, it's a good university and the people who run the course are absolutely amazing. I've had a brilliant time there so far. And um, my blog. I don't even know what the name of my blog is though, so I can't even... Well, I'll link to it on, okay. I'll link to it on the yeah. show notes. I can't remember off the top of my head what it's called. No, either. I can't either. It's, it's boring if you're not inter interested in my research, but look at it anyway. No, I was looking at it the other day. <laughs> it, was, it was quite hard to understand like the page I was looking at because it, it was a bit like computer Oh, I did code. put some code on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. well, yeah. So it wasn't just a bit like computer code. It was, <laughs> it like was computer code, code, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. People there will be who, stuff on there other than just code. So uh, yeah, uh, it'll develop. I've only just started. And so. there's people who are listening to this who will know about computer code as well as I've got a, a few friends that know about computer okay. code at least at least those people They'll will probably know. know more than it of I do I'm a bit of a beginner really so, yeah, um, but yeah fantastic well it's been a real pleasure getting yeah, better acquainted with too. you yeah me too I've really enjoyed it okay do you want to say goodbye to the, the listeners bye <laughs> bye bye <laughs> you can find Angela's blog on blogger its url is computational ecology dash angelawatkins.blogspot.com That's computational ecology angelawatkins.blogspot.com Obviously no spaces in that. And the name of the blog is Spatial Landscape Ecology and Computational Modeling. You can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast you can find it on Facebook it's getting better acquainted have a search on Facebook and like it or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk you can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way there are lots of ways to get better acquainted